welcome to episode 18. Check out what you can expect this week. I don't know anything about natural environments and ecology, yeah. right? I'm what? making up that my examples. That was not obvious by your description. Uh, yeah, I thought it was like scientific. No, I know. Um, I mean, somebody listening to this is like, man, Will's an expert. It's like, engagement is engaging your students. And I'm like, that's, use the word. Uh, nice try. Word. Um, so I think it's like one of those hot buttons. It is possible for someone to speak for 45 minutes and for someone to listen for 45 minutes and be engaged the entire time. Yeah. What's up, people? Welcome to the High Tech Podcast. We're back. Another week. Another time. More voices. Same place, though. Same place. Yeah, same place. Well, I mean, you know, we could say that you'd have no idea. I'm actually on a beach. It's not true. That is zero true. That's Um, not your thing, Anyway. Welcome back. You're joined by me, Josh, and Will. This guy. Yeah, that guy right there. Over here. You can't see him, but I can. If you if you want to know what he looks like, just open our website. He's <laughs> he's a good looking guy. He's, Ooh, he's thank cute. you. Yeah. <laughs> Josh has got the beard though. That's a beautiful yeah. beard. Yeah. And his hair. It, mm. it is a nice beard. It's I have to admit, it's it's pretty good. You don't want me without a beard because I look like a naked mirror. I still want to. I mean, I no, think I have seen it. You don't want to see it. Uh, you I, don't. I, mm. It's bad. It's very, very, very bad. Um, Guys, I've only shaved all of my facial hair off once since I was 13. Okay? Once. And the only reason I did that is because my dad and I shared a razor. Okay? And I accidentally didn't... Well, I didn't accidentally. He changed the settings. I didn't notice. Okay? And that happened to shave a hole directly in my beard. Oops. So I shaved it off and I never did it again. So anyway, welcome to High Tech Podcast. Let's do our little let's, let's do our thing, our little intro question, right? So um this this week, okay, this is the question. Okay. You could live in any time period, okay? And I'll say I'll say fictional or real. Okay? Ooh. Let's let's Ooh. give both. Okay. Ooh. What would it be? Okay, see, I I said in prep that the fictional is the first thing that came to mind. So you I know. just had to do that. I opened you? the door. Feel free to say both. It's fine. Uh, I don't think our listeners mind unless true, they're tired true. of me talking. Well, you know, I, you, you can do more than you were asked for, but you need to be timely. It's got to like, you yeah. just got to deliver. Yeah. It's got to be time to me. We don't do two hour podcasts. Right. Well, we, we could. We no. could. No, I'm out. Throw in a vote, people. Nope. Find us on Twitter. No vote. See if you want it to be two no. hours. No mommy and daddy are fighting (laughs) (laughs) all right so yeah i i was joking with josh like absolutely i'd want to live in the mutant world of professor xavier's school of the gifted yeah Um, for those of you who are not nerds like us that's the x-men yeah if you don't know what that is go google it because i'm not explaining it well, you know, that's not what this podcast is about. It's it's not. There's plenty of great ones. We could do a spinoff. Yeah. Um, so that's the fictional one that comes to mind immediately. I just love the X-Men. I love mutants. I love that fictional time frame and world. It's like it's like a right now kind of f- future, but everybody's mutated. Awesome. Yeah. Um, f- real time, I would probably... I don't know. I think I might only go back to like the te- the teens like right before really? the depression or the th- okay or like the 30s 40s okay i don't know those time frames like the industrial the pre and, and post like industrial revolution time frame the world coming together uh cars becoming a a commodity like that's a yeah. really curious time in life yeah i could also cool. die of like anything yeah i mean we say these things and 
you know it, there's lots of not pretty things about those times you know yeah absolutely war bad war. things What's viruses good for flu. you know um absolutely nothing oh, 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 oh. so Josh, anyway what's your time my frame? answer um it would be not right now because we'll just say um <laughs> savage <laughs> no okay so fictional hey for me this is easy okay it's a little place called middle earth oh okay? it's, it's, <laughs> i take mine back i take mine back rings okay i'm a nerd accept it okay um, I think I think I'll go Middle Earth, um, or actually I have a, I have a second one. Okay, I'm just gonna throw this out here. If you listen, if you read Brandon Sanderson, this place called Rocher. Okay, I don't even know if I pronounced that right. I probably didn't, um, but it's from some of his books. But I'll, I'll still go with Middle Earth as my number one. Oh, yeah. I love the Lord of the Rings books. I just you know, it looks cool. You know, I want to hang out with hobbits. You know, I want to hang out with. Yeah. I'll just leave it right there. Okay. I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to touch it. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, chill over there. You know, I don't know. Like the epic times, people passionate about things, fighting for what they believe in. You know, I like those things. If I didn't do a real time of history, um, hmm. I asked this question, but I don't know if I thought carefully about the real time in history one. Dope. <laughs> um, so. Would you like, go could, like ancient? I'm thinking, you know, I think I'll go ancient. I think like, okay, like Roman early church times. You know what Ooh. I mean? Okay. He wants to go back and theologize with the church yeah, fathers. Yeah, I want to go back. I want to see how, how it went down. Council of Nicaea. In real life. Yeah. Attend um, some synods. Well, I want to get in into that mix, you know? I'm a nerd, so like I also like the Middle Ages and things, but a lot of people died. It wasn't really as great as like King Arthur makes it look. Okay. So, um, and I'm not, I'm not going to kid myself. I would not survive. Okay. So, um, <laughs> let's go back to like early church times. That's, cool. that's what I would do. Cool. I'd probably still die, but at least, you know, you'd have a little bit of time. I'd be surrounded by others who did. Um, <laughs> martyrs, <laughs> Well, that's 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 a little bit of fun, you know, digging into like what what are the weird things that the two of us are interested in? Clearly, you know, from mutants yeah. and Lord of the Rings to um, you know, industrial evolution and church history. <laughs> right now, people are just listening. They're like, "Man, I can just, I I really feel like I'm exactly like Josh and Will." You know, they're they're probably more listening. Like, this is the high what podcast? Is, they are they high? Yeah, um, exactly. So yeah. this week, um, we are following up off of last week's episode on interactivity. Yeah. Um, but we're not going to leave interactivity behind, right? So we said in that episode that these two are a pretty paired idea. And I, I think it's even just worth reading this idea out to help us baseline the conversation, right? We kind of believe, I think Josh is on board with me, that interactivity is kind of a tool or an experience that we use to engage people, right? We yeah. use interactivity to engage people. But engagement itself is a measure of the depth of attention, interaction, their motivation. I call it, yeah, I call it like presence a little bit, like the way. And I, I use this example we were talking before the podcast, right? When when I have to think about engagement, because here's guys, I'll be honest. I'm an, I took, uh, you know, I did. You've heard my background on this podcast, and I did education. You know, been through higher education, graduate school, all those things. Um, but my past experience vocationally was outside of education okay and i came into education i'll tell you what i heard all the time okay engagement okay and then people would start to define engagement and it was like engagement is engaging your students and i'm like that's 
use the word uh to nice define try. the word um so i think it's like one of those hot button things that like some people get other people just use it because it's cool in education and we don't necessarily like deeply think about what it is and i think for me engagement is this idea of like being present right if i'm thinking about this outside of just a normal learning space i'm thinking about it in general engagement to me is being present like i'm thinking about sitting around the table with people talking there's you can be there but you cannot be present in the conversations. You cannot be paying attention to what's going on, thinking about what the person is saying. You know, I could be sitting across from the table from Will. He can tell me how his day is going, and I could be thinking about what I'm going to eat and not actually be listening to what. Hey, he Josh, has said. what are you what are you talking about? Are we are we doing an episode? What, yeah, where are, oh, like, oh wait, yeah. oh sorry, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. So example, there we go. Uh, so for me, I think it's being present. Now, what does that mean in learning and in, in in education? I think it means this idea of being present with what's being taught, what's being learning, working with that processing it thinking about it whatever it is that you're teaching or working through with your students it's about being present with those ideas it's about being present with the concept it's about being involved and thinking about it actually processing it yeah. um it's one thing to hear somebody say something it's another thing to hear them say it and think through what that means uh in that in that situation and so for me that's i think what engagement looks like right i think you would you'd say similar stuff yeah. And and I think that the point that you're point the, the point that you're pointing to the point that you're pointing the pointing. It's a long day, folks. Um <laughs> presence is the end result. If we have engaged our students, they are present with us. And that's something that this topic is really important to me uh, as we are coming th- out of through the COVID-19 quarantine based, you know, remote instruction time frame. Um, I had a lot of instructors begin to ask me, how do I get my students more engaged? Yeah, and, and, and the more they asked that question, the more I got the opportunity to kind of ask back, what does that mean to you? <laughs> I, yeah. hate, I hate to be like a counselor about it. Like, so how do you feel about your feelings? But the point was a lot of folks came saying like, okay, I'm on screen and I have 25 black boxes staring back at me. How do I get them engaged? My question back to them is, how do you know they're not engaged? We can't just assume, right? Yeah. We, can, we, we can, but we shouldn't just assume that because there's, their webcams are off, they're not engaged. Webcams on is not the ultimate measurement of engagement because they can turn those webcams on and still, like Josh said, not be present. They can, they can, we can see them and know that they're still not engaged. Yeah. But even seeing them is not proof that they're not engaged. You know, not seeing them and seeing them is not proof yeah. that they are not engaged with you. Just because they're in the classroom with you does not mean they're actually engaged. And that's that's one of the um, issues I take with, like, I think the way we evaluate, like, online or digital spaces is that, well, students don't engage. It's like, it, it's just different. And a lot of times students aren't engaging because they're, they're, people aren't using the techniques and things that are used in a digital space to engage students, to bring them in, to make them present with the ideas that you're sharing. Tons of people do it in other places outside of education. Um, There's way more time spent on Facebook than there should be. And there's a reason for that. There's people are engaged in certain things. So like, but this idea of bringing that in. So how do we use the tool of interactivity to engage our students, right? That's the question we're trying to ask now. Okay. We've hammered out this idea of engagement as much as we can in a 10 minute segment. Um, <laughs> and, so, and we're talking about interactivity. So how do we use those? How do those things meld together? Right. That's the question we're, we're trying to answer and I'm posing it because I'm going to, I'm going to let Will answer first. 
Uh, of course. I... Like, no, no, this is how we go. Sometimes the two of us are just like, all right, you ready? I'm ready. You ready? We're I'm ready. The question, we're we're looking yeah. at each other. Yeah. We're you like, can't we're, see we're that. gearing up. And I'm like, guess what? I'm going to throw it your way. Um, I'm going to loft this one. Because so, so I have an idea. That's the thing. Like the, the webcam on or off, like turning the webcam on is an interaction. They have chosen to make themselves visible to you. But that's not sufficient to prove. Like in the last episode, we talked about using interactions as a part of your assessments to help prove that they are getting the information, that they're actually spending time with your interactions, that they're spending time with your lesson content. That's how we were using those interacti interactivities, those interactions, you know, for a grade. But when it comes back to engagement, we say, why don't we use these interactivities, whatever they might be, to to just prompt the students. It's it's a poke. It's a mental, it's a physical, it's a virtual, you know, hey, are you there? Are you listening? So that might be in a lecture, just asking a question. We have that down pat, right? I've I've had faculty all my life in my classes go through for 15 minutes, are there any questions? Or they might put something out about a specific topic and say, is there any questions about that topic, right? Um, that very experience is one of the things that, that actually first got me into Nearpod. Uh, we've already done an episode on that one, right? But um, I was in a faculty classroom of 80 students. The faculty were asking questions. I had taken this class as an undergrad, and so I'm like really engaged. I'm enjoying it. I love the questions. I'm kind of getting the energy of the faculty. It's going really well. He asks a question. It's one of the most important questions about the subject matter. And 80 students, two hands went up. Like, So that was kind of those moments, like the interactivity – was well-practiced, ask questions, but did it actually get to all of the students? Did it actually offer something that was going to be useful for all the students to kind of engage with the question and think it through and respond? Because if I knew that that question, the interaction was so important, but only two people answered it, doesn't that mean that 72, 78 people didn't get served? Yeah. Doesn't that mean that if two people got the chance to answer the question and and potentially improve their retention of that information that 78 people didn't? Yeah. Now, that's a it's an oversimplification because if only two people raise their hands, maybe another 15 at least were still paying attention and mentally engaged, and so now we've got 17 people. It was only maybe 63 people who weren't paying attention. Like, but but that's still the numbers, right? The numbers yeah. are really impressive when we start to think but, about these interactions bringing our students into the learning. But again, even in that, like the students may be paying attention, but in my argument, interactivity is not just about, and this is where I. I think we get lost in some of the conversation. I'm not saying you're going that direction. Well, I'm just jumping in, right? There's this idea where we just use interactivity to get their attention. It's, and it's more about, it's not, yes, you can do that to get people's attention, but it's also about leveraging interactivity to get them to purposefully engage with an idea or something you're working with. So, right, like that question, right? Maybe the great question. Timing may have been great. The interactivity may have only pulled in two people and those maybe another 17 of that 80 were actually thinking through the idea, but were they engaging with that specific idea that that person was pulling in with their question? Maybe not. Maybe they were, right. maybe we don't know. Like it's a guessing game sometimes too, but that's why changing the way the interactivity happens with intentionality uh, can get a better result. Right. So, and that's what we're kind of talking about. Like it's, it's a combination of, Thinking about the timing, a combination of thinking about the environment, the thing that you're working in, whether it's a classroom, digital space, 80 students, 20 students, thinking about, okay, how am I going to get the most 
of those students to actually actively process and be present with an idea that I'm sharing. So in that 80 student example, I may have said, well, it's cool, but we also have technology like, I don't know, like an answer garden um, or um, question, posing a poll question, even as simple as just handing the question out to students, having them answer it break up into groups, have those groups share their ideas. And in that process, they're interacting with each other. They're interacting with the question and the idea that you want them to process through. And they're doing it in a better way with 80 students than if you just threw the question out to all of them and the two students who think they have all the great ideas share their ideas and all the rest of the students stay quiet. Yeah. And 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 so Josh and I are kind of making the points here. And I think that one of the things we talked about in prep was that, um, you know, we've actually sat in lectures of someone who doesn't do much interaction, but we're engaged. And yeah. that's where Josh was kind of getting to some of those points there. Like engagement is multifaceted. We use some interactivity, like a spark to engagement, but we can, it is possible for someone to speak for 45 minutes and for someone to listen for 45 minutes and be engaged the entire time. Yeah. That engagement measure of the person who is engaged is based on, their physical status they're not hungry tired distracted whatever it's based on their motivation right they want to hear they are interested in the content they are they they're motivated to listen um and, and then it speaks on kind of the message messenger relationship like the message itself is coming out and is good and is valuable and is and is um uplifting and engaging and positive and the listener is uplifted and engaged and motivated you know like there's there's a lot that goes into being engaged yeah what we're trying to suggest is using the right kind of interactions can help improve that engagement if you are finding this this is really like a lot of a lot of our um podcast ideas come from the fact that a question a, a faculty member has said to us at one time blah xyz is not working yeah. I am finding that my students are not engaged. I am finding that my grades are lower. I am finding that people drop after week two. Like whatever that issue is, right? So engagement, the, the faculty come to us and say in a Zoom room, my students won't engage. They're not engaged. Well, let's step back and first identify what element they might be missing. Are they in a 400 level course, a, a, a senior level course in their major? If yes, then it might not be motivation. We would hope that they are motivated to learn content in a in a in a in their major related field in a senior level course. Okay, yeah. so if it's not that, what else could be happening? Well, the class is at six p.m. on Monday nights. Okay, there's a factor we can talk about. <laughs> they could be tired. They could be full after dinner. They could be really distracted. They could be hey. College students hung over from the weekend. You don't know, right? Any number yeah. of variables can play into that. But but if they're in that major course, that might say the motivation is not the biggest factor, while 6 p.m. on a Monday night is the bigger factor. We still don't need to prescribe. I'm like, I'm thinking about this like a doctor. I don't need to prescribe specific interactions yet. I still need to dig into what could be going wrong that's that's not encouraging or that's not stimulating engagement for your students yeah. now when we identify that issue eventually like a doctor i could start to prescribe some interactions that might help you know pausing the class every 20 minutes having the students do more student-led presentations so that you're not the one leading everything and it, and it can't just be one student taking your place 
I would say small groups, getting the students in rotations, making sure that everybody's doing something at 6.30 at night on a Monday, you know, after a long weekend. These are the things we can really start to do to make the difference and, and bring this gap, you know, I guess decrease this gap between interactions and engagement. Engagement is really important and it is something we want to shoot for, but don't get swept up in this, like, if I pick up the XYZ tool, it's going to fix my engagement yeah. issue. Nearpod is not going to fix your engagement issue if it's because everybody's tired at 730 on a Monday night. Yeah. No, yeah, you can't just, like, throw a tool at it or throw... that, I, Or even, I would say, throw... Just sometimes, I think, people throw in interactive techniques because it's a popular idea and they think that will solve all of the engagement problems. The other, the other thing I would throw in is this... Um, to what Will's talking about, trying to figure out what's, what is the actual problem. Like it, it can be a bunch of different things. If you're not teaching, let's, if you're teaching a not senior level math class to people who are not majoring in math, like Will and I, I'm just going to be honest. Our engagement problem is I don't care. Um, so like there is, uh, there's going to be some of that, right. That's going on. Um, and just passionately feeling like they should care more is not going to change that problem. So it is important to identify that. I do think sometimes though, the problem, like the problem that I find with people is that they're just not sure. And sometimes it is hard to tell, like sometimes it's hard to tell the problem. So I think the other thing I would throw in there too, is that when you're trying to figure out how to leverage inner, like interactivity in there, and we'll get into practical examples of what that looks like here in a second. Although Will gave some really great in class examples. Um, the other thing you do is just like, okay, if we're having problems with them engaging or they're not understanding what we're talking about, because sometimes I think oh, information overload can be a problem. There can be a lot of different things that play into that. I think the other thing is to ask, okay, where are the most important ideas in what we're talking about this week? Okay. What, where is the most important vital stuff they need to know? Right. And then how can I use interactivity in those spots to make them engage with those ideas at a deeper level? Like how can I make them be present with those ideas? Um, and what, what would make them be more present with the ideas? What would bring the ideas to life? Okay. So like math, for example, right? Will and I don't care about, don't care about math. Okay. We're not math majors. We're not, we love math whiteboard, but that's, that's about that's, all you that's got. As far as it okay? goes for me. That's about as far as it goes. Okay. So like, how are you going to get us to engage with math more? Okay. Well, maybe it's actually using practical examples, giving them some scenarios to actually work through. Right. And, and creating kind of this interactive experience for doing math, not just telling me how to solve the problem, but actually putting a practical real life problem in front of them scenario where this may be used. Okay. Maybe at that level hundred math, it's, it's showing that person how it, they should care. Okay. By not just telling them, but giving them an example to work through. Um, or having some interaction in there and embedding the problem into a scenario, into that kind of experience, having them co collaborate and work on it, interact with each other and work on it. You know, there's there's a couple different ways you can do that. Um, but I think just asking those important points and taking it to an online environment, you know, your con your content that you're presenting, the things you're doing in the course, where are the most important ideas in the course that the student needs to work through and how can you get them to, how can you bring that idea to life a little bit and get them to engage in it? Okay, how can you use some interactivity to do that? And I think that looks a lot of different ways. I think sometimes it's, you know, like our last episode talked about, it's using scenarios and and using interactive video. If you're doing video content to actually pose real life questions, real life situations, real life problems that they're dealing with. Um, I'm a huge advocate of that. Like if you're explaining how to deal with counseling or explain how to deal with this, like putting those ideas in there. 
Um, I think sometimes it can be um, throwing in those types of scenarios. It can be dropping in simulations for people to work through. Like it, these types of interaction or even like it's one thing to explain in an anatomy class the body. It's another thing to add in an image of a body and actually have some interactivity to when they click on those sections to bring to life those areas. Um, like that's a, an online example of interactivity. And that's that's a really cool uh, example of interactivity. As I hit my mic, I'm the worst offender at that. Forgive me. Um, that's a really great example, though, Josh, about like the anatomy and things like that, because it really shows how you can start to link together uh, different ideas, right? So you've got one thing and another thing, and it's like there's a link between them, and they're they're not necessarily activated of that until they see it in action. And that's why we wanted to bring to you this week <laughs> an app called thing link that's I need right a, i need a button okay in our episodes that when you make a transition i can hit it and it just goes transition like you know <laughs> a little siren i'm gonna work on that we need a stream board to get there yeah, so thing link is is something that can do this for us right i just we don't plan this folks i am coming up with it on the fly i i do suck at this but i have a lot of fun with my transitions so josh yeah. josh suffers it um <laughs> ThingLink is a, a really cool web platform that'll let you take uh, images, videos, augmented reality, virtual reality experiences, and link anything into it. I mean, I mean, it's it's just really cool to see if you pull up their website. The the image on screen is that of a hummingbird, and then there's three different types of media that are linked into this hummingbird. So you see the picture of the hummingbird, and then you can hover over and click on any one of the interactions and listen to a hummingbird, see a hummingbird in action, uh, see where hummingbirds might migrate. Like it's, it's really cool that you can build in a lot of interactive content. Now, uh, the, the example where I first came across this was in some sort of like natural sciences, ecology focused course where the instructor got on her kayak with a GoPro and kayaked up the Susquehanna River or something like that. I you know I don't know, but just just took a day, right? And went down the water rafts and probably recorded for 30 minutes. Well, the end result was that she was able to chunk that video up into a number of smaller bits and then as she was going, she could pause the video and and put a hot button on something happening in real life. So if she saw something that was happening in the wake, she could put something on the wake of the water. If she saw something happening in the trees, she could point some point something out on that. And and it's it's hard to talk it through, but as she hit play, right, the students could just watch her kayak down the water. Well, that's kind of boring. But as she went, little pop-ups would show up on screen as she as she moved through. And if at any point they hovered over any one of the pop-ups and clicked on it, it would pause the video and provide supplementary information. Right. So that might be this wake shows us something about the tide happening today because of how it's moving so quickly. Uh, this bird is a blah, blah, blah bird, and it's coming out of its nest because it's X, Y, Z time in the season. I don't know anything about natural environments and ecology, yeah. right? I'm what? making up that my was examples. not obvious by your description. I, I thought it was like scientific. No, I know. Um, I mean, somebody listening to this is like, man, Will's an expert. But like you could provide all that information in a flat text canvas page or schoology page or whatever your lms is right you could provide all that information in a linear you know birds in this time of the season water in this time of the season blah 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 in this time of the season yeah. but but this was rich they got to sit in her seat go down the paddle you know go down the, the river with her 
and see all of it live in yeah. the recording. Yeah, again, I think one of the the powers of this type of tool is especially in an online or like blended type of format where you've got content that you're presenting to them and they're working through it. You can bring content to life in a different way with these types of tools. Um, like to your example there, right? It's one thing to literally read text and maybe, maybe you're getting creative at this and you add images in there too, which is great. And that will bring a little bit more life to what you're presenting. Um, but eventually they're reading through. It's easy to start skimming. It's easy to start skipping through it. It's different when you're watching a video of literally seeing it move past you like you're there and being able to click in and learn more. And here's one of the cool features of this type of interactive tool is it gives a little bit of the curious, it rewards curiosity, right? Like it can click in to find those things, right? And so um, we love video games in this area. And that's one of the, the areas I love in interactive online space is leveraging some of what video games do well, which is putting you in the experience and through that interactively giving you instruction in the moment um, and rewarding curiosity, rewarding kind of that space. And that's a great use of that in that, that video tool. It doesn't just have to be that. Like I just used my example, like imagine doing anatomy class, a you know, biology class in that space, right? It's one thing in a textbook just to read about the biology, to see pictures. It's another thing to see a literal video or live image of that and being able to click into the body and learn more about what's there. Um, that interaction is going to engage more, hopefully, because it's leveraging the experience. Um, the other thing, thing like this type of tool can do is um, just bringing life to your images, to the things you're doing. If you're teaching geography, this type of uh, hotspot in ThingLink um, is great. Like it's one thing to show a map and then like lay out the map. It's another thing to literally put the map in there and have them click into the countries. They're, they're looking at the locations. They're learning more about it. In ThingLink, you could easily do like a map, throw some hotspots in there, maybe a little video about that area and actually have them click into that area and watch that video about that area. Sure, you could create a bunch of pages that describe all of that, but in a tool like this, you can actually literally have them click through the map, learning the locations at the same time as learning about the location. And that interaction, kind of, it's a little bit more engaging. It brings you in um, I, and it I, makes them present. I recommended this tool to a student working on her master's thesis uh, because her master's thesis was in um, kind of a sociology, like an like a, anthropology sociology space where she was trying to demonstrate how the stories um, of her life were associated with location. And so she wanted to show how the kitchen resulted in X kinds of stories and specific stories. And then the living room resulted in different stories and, and bedroom. You know, like she was, she was kind of conceptualizing in her house that if she could study the anthropology of her family and the stories generated in those rooms as a result of it, that she could make a point about how how family works and how society is developed on family and you know really cool really heady stuff. Yeah, I can actually talk about things like that. Math, you know, science, no big deal. But this this is great. Um, she was looking for something that she'd be able to record a like a, a a tour of her house and then annotate it. Frankly, with mm. all of this information, proving and showing the stories that happen in these rooms, this was the answer. 
right? She could literally record a video, just tape it once, and then come back to her computer, upload it to the thing link, and build this whole thing out that walked people through how the living room did XYZ, the, the kitchen did something else, etc., etc. So the, there's some science examples. There's some, um, you know, sociology, anthropology examples. Uh, you could use this in any number of ways to, to kind of bring the students into a space that they don't necessarily have access to. Yeah. That's Ag- super important about Again, it's, like this. Again, it's turning a static image, a, even somewhat of a static video, um, and it's giving a bit of an experience and having them have some interaction. Um, and the reason it's doing that, it's a lot of times I think why a tool like this works well in this interactive engagement space is that it's bringing to life ideas in a digital space that's harder to bring to life. Um, and it's, it's doing that in cool ways. And the examples that we showed, I was thinking while you're talking, well, I've never tried this before, but it'd be great to like throw in an image in a music class of like a sheet of music and literally throw in audio clips of that tone or that that music note. So they're both getting this kind of interactive experience of seeing it on sheet music and getting the sound of the music at the same time. Um, so they can draw those conclusions and almost process and engage with the idea of that note differently. Right. And like, that's where a thing link um, can kind of jump in and do some of those, those types of ideas. Boom. I mean, we don't even know the ways that could yet be used. And we're coming up with a pretty, uh, pretty diverse set of subject matters that this could support. Um, accessibility right away is going to be video images, etc. There's, there's going to be some things you have to be careful about. Um, yeah. If if you were to consider this in the long term, like the whole the whole experience of a thing link, you you, you might be able to make this accessible to someone without sight, for instance, by doing an audio recording of your mm-hmm. experience. But you would have yeah. to be narrating what you did. So I'm in the boat. I'm paddling upstream. Then I notice a bird. This bird is a blah. Yeah, like you'd have to run yourself yeah. through the whole script of what you'd want the students typically to be experiencing to make that accessible to students. Because there's something in the fact that the thing link does allow the students to choose your own adventure in a context where the students couldn't necessarily do that same experience if they couldn't see to choose or something like that you'd have to make you'd have to make the experience available to them in a similar way so you'd have to provide them like at stop one you can choose to look at quote unquote this is what you're talking them through but you could choose to look at and and hear the bird look at the wake or look at the trees right and so based on what they choose you yeah. could still create a system for this but based on what they choose then you then you narrate or provide the written script for the bird the trees the water um i'd say that the easiest would just be a text and, and narrative but the important thing there is if you wanted to create this as like an actual walkthrough video you might do a script and, and record yourself putting this in the thing link anyways so you could have that transcript to provide to the students to make that accessible if need be yeah i think you're always you're going to run up across some accessibility stuff with these types of ideas which no tool is perfect no idea is perfect like you're going to have and that's where accommodations come in i've done some of this in some other tools that we have and we we've always run up across that problem that we just kind of had to accept we can only get it so accessible in that space and we just have to come up with alternatives when we can't meet a need um, in that space the only other thing i would throw in here about thing link i really like the tool uh will and i have only used it somewhat like he has some experience with the institution i've played around with it i've used other tools that do what thing link does um in more experience my only comment would be this um high tech loves free um and uh this does not this does not meet our our quota there um so uh they do have they do have a free starter 
option. Um, it doesn't allow you to share it with other people though. So it's literally just test it. So if this is something you're not used to doing and you're not sure this meets the need you want, do that at least. Like you can throw in your images and your videos, whatever you want, just kind of explore it. Um, and then from there, um, they, they have a couple different models uh, for yourself, like a one to two classroom type of thing where you can do $35 a year, which is not bad at all. I mean, that's a decent price for something like this. Um, but then from there, there's there's really just a step up to like academic licensing and things things right. like that that go. You can by get the it seat. for you and one or two things, but after that, if you talk and it, they want to have a sales quote and go from there. So it's but again, it's, a lot of these examples you're not going to use across everything. So like if you're interested in doing something like this, find one class you can do it in. You know, find something you can play around with this idea in. Um, maybe it's just one little solution. Maybe you've got that science class, that music class that you're struggling with engaging them in a digital space um and in that case thing link could be an interactive tool that could maybe get you with some intentionality could get you there closer well folks it's uh a lot this week we hope that this is informative and insightful again we think that these are some of those um big ticket items that faculty come to us with so we want to make sure we're kind of speaking into these spaces and ensuring that you've got um, a, a space to think about and consider what could work for you in your classroom. Again, my encouragement, come back to and consider the variables and just start asking questions about what's not working so you can start to pick the right tool for the job. As always, thank you. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and we look forward to uh, next week's where we again talk about what it takes to harness technology in the physical or digital classrooms. Will and Josh, until next time, see you. See ya.